Hello, everybody. It's Bevan. Welcome to my podcast. This is Bevan, a femme over 40 and her friends podcast. I've said my name. I don't know. Is it three times? I did it a little different today. Who knows? But we're here. We're together. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, today, we're doing a solo episode, which means I don't have a guest. And I am really excited to talk to you about, I think, one of the key areas in um, basically staying younger and having an experience, a better, uh, more well-rounded, uh, happier, certainly more joyful experience of life is uh, to work on this uh, quality that I'm going to talk about today, which is adaptability. It is, I'll say this, I, you are all benefiting, thanks for tuning into my podcast, by the way, you're all benefiting from my multi-generational friendships. I really pride myself on this, of having friends of all ages, um, and really connecting to the value that each and every human being that's alive on the planet with me has, to, regardless of where they relate to me in terms of age. We live in a white supremacist capitalist patriarchy that uh, certainly prizes youth over wisdom and prizes celebrity over wisdom. And um, I really love the information age that we're in now because we have so much more control over our attention and what we consume and what paradigms we participate in. I think uh, the most valuable thing I ever got out of my women and gender studies degree was just this critical thinking, like really truly understanding the world around me and understanding how to ask questions of that world um, as to whether or not I desire to participate in it. And of course, um, if you've done any work dismantling white supremacy, you know that that work is kind of never ending. Like the colonizer lives in our brain when we're socialized in this kind of stuff, right? But one of the things I see that holds people back so, so, so much is internalized ageism. And that's just the idea that your value diminishes as you age, which is so incorrect. So I want you to hear this first and foremost, and most importantly, that you are worthy of love exactly as you are. And there's nothing about you that limits who you can be. Um, obviously, I'm not talking about becoming a professional basketball player. Like, I think there are some physical <laughs> requirements for things like that. But I just mean, like, who you can be in the world. And truly, I believe each and every one of us is here for a purpose. Um, and your joy is your compass to finding that purpose. Uh, your joy is kind of what's leading you. That's how your higher self um, connects with you. Um, I learned this from Esther Hicks, that anything that's not joy is not your, you're not in alignment with your higher self. That doesn't mean that we don't experience other emotions, right? And it doesn't mean that those other emotions are necessarily bad. And in fact, if you can get into non-judgment of your emotions, I think that's the true hack to adaptability. Adaptability is just this idea that there are things that are going to happen in our lives that are outside of our control and that we have the control over how we react to it and how we embrace them. Um, I'm thinking specifically what was inspiring this episode was um, one. Of, uh, there's a good friend of mine who I bring dinner to every week um, and so that's we've really created a relationship together. Um, she has dementia and uh, you know, it's, it's later in life stuff, right? Like where things are, you're losing your memory, you're losing your capacity to understand. Um, and I think in many ways becoming a different version of yourself. Um, and that's really sad stuff, I think, to think about for a lot of us, because we're not taught how to grieve in this culture. We're taught how to we're taught to fear change when change is definitely part of life. Octavia Butler says, uh, God is change. 
Um, and I really couldn't <laughs> agree more, honestly, like having experienced so many changes that happened in my life that were not things that I wanted to have happen, um, that were things that were not with my consent to have happen frequently, but they were things that happened, right? Um, and I've kind of recognized just through trial and error, honestly, um, how those changes have weathered in my life and what I did well and what I did not do well. Um, and I can really apply this just like kind of seeing other folks struggling with, um, some inevitabilities, right? Like my friend uh, is losing her license, uh, which means she won't be able to drive anymore. And that's a loss of a, an extreme amount of independence. It's, it's interesting too, that this is happening and I'm kind of watching the emotional process of her. I don't even think she's at an acceptance point in this. I'll just say that just, but, but witnessing and being a support member of her uh, community while she's going through this transition um, to a different way of life, right? A, a car free way of life or a way of life that it'll, requires her to find more creative ways to get her transportation needs met. Um, and just kind of seeing that, um, and really inspired this episode. In addition to uh, another friend of mine, uh, is turning 40 soon and is really struggling with, uh, the age, right. And the number. And I was thinking about like, how did, cause I approached 40 with a really great attitude. Um, and that was really in my adaptability. And part of how I approached 40 with a great attitude, I've been 40 for two and a half years now, almost. It's almost my half birthday. Um, and something, I mean, I will say this. My 40th year was the hardest year of my life. Like the most amount of challenges, the most struggle, a lot of pain, a lot of pain. And then also a little bit of suffering, although I, I was broadcasting my podcast during that time. So you can go back and listen to like kind of where I was at and how I was kind of navigating some big life stuff that was like shifting and falling apart around me. Um, but I had a great attitude of turning 40 before I hit there because I kind of just accepted that it was going to happen, right? Like I have no control. I mean, we live, what even is time? What even is space, right? Like we live in this like linear society where everything we're, we're experiencing is linear. So I'm going to turn 40 no matter what. And I was like, I can either struggle with it or I can confront the internalized ageism that um, is really telling me that 40 has something to do with my value. In many ways, I'm just grateful to be alive. I'm grateful to have survived all of my hardest days. <laughs> um, I have had to work very hard to stay alive, to be 42 and to see it. And now I feel like every moment is a moment for celebration. Um, and especially also as my friends passed away um, in untimely ways around me, right? I kind of saw that life was a true gift um, just through that process in, um, in my late 20s and 30s. I just know a lot of people who have passed through the beyond. Now it's like a party over there. I don't fear death because I know there's a party waiting for me on the other side. Um, and also I kind of like faith has been a huge part of this. Like I got really spiritual when I was 31 and I've got some episodes about my spirituality if you want to check that out. But part of that is just having faith that this process of moving forward in life, you're never going to get things that you aren't going to be equipped to handle. And frequently, um, when things aren't happening on our timeline, um, this is something I've really struggled with is just like, I want all these things to happen and it's not happening and I'm struggling with it, right? When things aren't happening uh, on our timeline or things are happening that are out of our control, there's very little we can actually control except for our attitude. Our attitude is one of the most powerful assets we have. And the attitude is just kind of how you decide to view things, right? It's, you can be a glass half full or a glass half empty person and also choose your thoughts and your attitude and the way you see things, right? So even if like, and, and every one of us has a negativity bias, like we are literally biased towards negativity. Uh, so it actually takes way more work to be a positive person than it does to to be a negative or a naysayer. Um, and I'll say like being positive and having a good attitude. And I don't use moralistic words like good and bad 
loosely, I use them very specifically. And I think a good attitude is such an asset that I will use a moralistic term for that. It is a good attitude for a reason because it helps you experience life in a more joyful way. I do not believe that we are meant to be on this earth to suffer. But also, life isn't fair. Lots of things happen to people who are awesome and do great work in the world. Um, it's indiscriminate. Um, but I think if you can look at your struggles as part of the puzzle of your life coming together, um, every struggle I've had equipped me with things I needed later. Um, and even if, and, and some of the, the hardest things I've gone through felt so so much better once I was able to use the things I had learned from those lessons to help other people. Um, and that's like part of being a leader, right? You can just go your own way, right? But true leadership is turning around and helping people go the way that you've gone, right? And, and kind of helping the people who want to, right? Not everybody wants help and let them lie, right? But you're here, you're listening to a podcast that is essentially about self-development. So obviously, like, you want to learn a little bit about how to have a better experience of life. So your attitude is one of the only thing uh, that you can really control, right? Um, this is a great quote um, I heard from John Maxwell. Um, he was, I think he was quoting John Wooden. So it's two Johns quoting each other. Um, by the way, there are more men named John in the Senate than there are women in the Senate. Um, okay, so John Maxwell quoting John Wooden says, take responsibility for your attitude. The first rule of winning is don't beat yourself, right? Because your thoughts uh, are part of beating yourself. You can't control the length of your life, but you can control its width and depth. And part of that is your relationships and like how you experience life, right? That, that's me editorializing. I'm still quoting though. Uh, <laughs> you can't control the contours of your face, but you can control your expression. Um, and you can't control the weather, but you can control um, the atmosphere of your mind. Why worry about what you can't control when you can focus on, you can focus your thoughts on all of the things that you can control, right? Worrying, I, I frequently say this, is coming up with all of the bad things that are possible, right? Um, but imagining is coming up with good possibilities, right? So it's the same muscle, your imagination, is just coming up with different kinds of possibilities. Um, one of the most important things you'll do is to accept the truth of your circumstances in your life. Um, I realized in the wake of my gay divorce uh, that I was engaging, I was like kind of realizing, making all these realizations about like, you know, emotional abuse in the relationship and things that um, I had let slide. And I was like, why did I do that? And I just reverse engineering it, working through this with my therapist, I figured out, oh, I was actually doing self-deception. I was not taking the most important risk in life, which is just to be honest with yourself. I was deceiving myself about what was happening and the quality of my relationship, choosing not to see things that very well could have been red flags or warning signs. Um, and part of self-deception and interrupting that as I've learned it, as I'm practicing it over the last couple years. Um, and I just also see this as a pattern in my family. Like my grandmother was queen of tall tales, right? Like she had a lot, she kind of lived her life as a fable, you know, or like magical realism. You know what I mean? Like, it's like the stories sometimes stayed the same. Sometimes they changed. They were very adaptable, but it was all in her mind. Right. Um, and self-deception, I think is something she used as a trauma response, um, because of a really traumatic life and lots of traumatic things that happened to her. Um, and sometimes that's what you got to do. You got to figure out how to make your mind able to survive, uh, the things of life. But I definitely think there's a quality of being able to be with the truth, the honest truth of what's going on. You know, and I think about this, like in terms of coming out, um, that's something that is, I've seen, uh, take place in many lives before, just the wisdom of my experience. And you're 
I was very afraid of coming out. I was very afraid that the people in my life would not accept me. I was very afraid of what my life would be like as a gay person. And I was very, very afraid of how my fatness was going to affect my desirability as a gay person. All of that together really kept me in the closet for years. And then finally, I took the risk to be honest with the people I loved and with myself because it just, I was just bursting. You know what I mean? I just like, sometimes you get to this bursting point and plus like I was in love and I wanted to tell everyone about it. Um, and so you can kind of trust sometimes that your life is going to pop the pimple. You know what I mean? Like if you stay in fear and spinning in that worry space of like, Oh, what's going to happen? Who's going to reject me? Eventually you may be forced to pop the pimple and that's part of life circumstances. Right. But sometimes you aren't. And when you don't and you stay quiet, um, about the things that are true or even to yourself, sometimes I think that gives you a half-life, something that's a life that maybe isn't as worth living. And I want you to live a juicy, full life where you get to truly be yourself and constantly unfold. Because life is not just coming out as gay and then poof, you're done. Uh, life is not just graduating from school and poof, you get a career and that's all you're going to do. Life is constantly teaching you lessons. It's all about the learning. I learned this from Alex the Medium is that like your time on earth is determined really about the lessons you're supposed to be learning. And your soul comes here with these purposes, right? And like your dream is kind of driving you towards that purpose. We live in a society where we're socialized to have this very specific um, way that we live, right? Like go to school, get a job, get a career, and then lather, rinse, repeat, pay your taxes, raise kids to do the exact same thing, right? But if you look at actual human diversity and how every single human being is unique, um, obviously, I mean, it just seems obvious to me, maybe it's not to you, but it's obvious to me that every human's destiny has got to be a little different too. Uh, and I believe, I truly believe that each and every one of us has a key to unlocking uh, what we need for humanity to heal. We're at a really interesting point in our collective human history of, or herstory, their story, um, where if we don't turn the ship around, the whole planet is going to implode and we're not going to have a habitable like place to live. Humans are the only species that systemically destroy our habitat, right? So this is actually super <laughs> important stuff I'm talking about. I think it's important. Um, just figuring out how you can do you in a way that feels uh, alive to you, right? And it's not just about being comfortable because comfort is something that I think is seductive away from that growth zone. There's a comfort zone and then there's a growth zone, right? And like you have to have some risk constantly in order to invigorate and create new brain cells. I just learned this this weekend. I'm so thrilled about this. Um, you need the risk to create your new brain cells. And when you're not doing that, when you're not constantly using your brain, um, you're not growing. My grandmother was very concerned about memory loss because her sister uh, had dementia. And she worked really hard, like something that we really reverse engineered um, later in her life, like trying to figure out like, what are you doing right? Because she was independent till she was 88 and she passed away like two months after getting sick. It was really fast. Um, and she read constantly. She read a lot. She always had some kind of puzzle, Sudoku or crossword or whatever going. So she was really using her brain, right? She wasn't necessarily risking a lot, but she was using her brain. So you've got to risk and you got to use your brain. you got to do these things. I also think that... Um, Something that's really important to think about in terms of adaptability is that things changing can be stressful. Um, but I want to, there's a study I read about um, how you can have, stress is poison, right? Stress is poison to your body. 
Um, it gets in there and it hurts things, right? Constant stress is not great. And that's kind of how we're living in these anxious times. Um, but you can actually change your attitude about the stressful situation you're in. And when you control your thoughts and you control how you see it, like you can actually experience it as good stress. Like think about, um, you know, if, if you're on a team and you're in the final inning and then there's like however many bases loaded, right? Like you're, and you like really level up to the task in front of you and like nail it or don't, right? But if you're not failing, you're not trying. Uh, if you're not failing, you're not succeeding, right? If you're, if you're constantly just like everything you do, you nail it the first time, you're not putting yourself out of your comfort zone. You're, you're not growing. Um, failure is just desire uh, learning as much as you desire winning, right? That's one of the most important things I've learned. Um, but I honestly think if you can apply some cheer to your stress, like, wow, this is a really big monumental thing I'm dealing with. Um, how can I rise to this occasion? How can I see this thing as something that is more this? I'm dealing with a big issue that I don't want to be dealing with right now. Um, with my legal experience, um, as you may or if you've listened to this, you know, I'm a retired lawyer. I, I worked for 15 years as a practicing attorney and I am not uh, a practicing attorney because of my mental and physical health. I desired to have a healthy, happy life more than continuing in that career that I knew was not a fit for me. But I have very specific legal experience that is uh, very relevant to a big problem that my uh, homeowners association is dealing with. So I'm actually really in this, helping to deal with it. I do not want to deal with it. It actually makes my body feel gross <laughs> when I think about it. When I dig into the logistics of lawyer stuff, it is so hard for me because I just, that it's just like this nasty, I can't even describe the full feeling that comes into my body. Like when I'm doing this kind of stuff, it is not a cute feeling, but what I'm doing is I'm constantly sort of, I, I feel like I'm called to this, like in service to the community, right? With this very specific knowledge that I have, but I'm working hard to adapt the way I'm seeing it to be more like a puzzle that I'm solving. I love to do puzzles. My heaven honestly is like sitting at next to like a beautiful window, seeing a beautiful view and like putting together a puzzle, maybe visiting with some friends. I love, love puzzles, right? So if I can approach this legal issue as a puzzle, right, to be solved and like change my attitude and the way I'm thinking about it, that's where I'm going to get my freedom. And that's where the yucky feeling in my body is going to be transmuted into something that's amping me up so that I can meet the task at hand. Um, and also breath work too, like your breathing really affects how you feel. Um, but I love thinking of failure as just proof that you're trying, right? Um, and also sometimes life isn't fair. Sometimes stuff falls apart. Sometimes you invest six or seven years into a relationship and then it just ends, right? And like, there's not much you can do except to adapt to the truth of the circumstances um, and learn what you can and move forward and utilize that learning in the next stages of your life. Um, I, uh, this is a really good one. Um, so this quote I decide the notion of my life. Obstacles are merely uh, seasoning for the dish that is your life. Uh, wait until, or basically while uh, you want to work with the spices that spirit presents you with great embrace and uh, so that you can weather what's happening with more joy. That's kind of a, my handwriting is terrible. That is a rough uh, explanation of a meme I saw on the internet, but I really like that because you decide the notion of your life. You're going to decide how you're going to feel about this, right? My, I, I've been, you know, coaching my friend about the transition to not having a driver's license anymore, about having her decide how she wants to approach this. Is this going to be a fun thing or is this going to be like a new adventure of like having people drive her around versus is it going to be, um, 
perpetually focused on the loss, right? Um, also, I'll say, I'll say this. I've been witnessing someone online losing their child, uh, which is, I think, probably one of the hardest things to deal with in this life. One of the things you hope for as a, an adult, as, as a parent, is that your kids outlive you, right? Um, and when that's not happening, uh, that is possibly one of the worst things that could happen, right? And watching this woman navigate with faith and trust in what's happening um, has been really, really transformative for me. And I'm grateful for her for sharing um, that experience. And just it's, there's something about witnessing the divinity uh, in the experiences of stuff that we can't control uh, that I think sometimes helps me adapt, you know, just kind of recognizing like it is truly in God's hands. And another thing that helps me too with adaptability is just recognizing that anything that is truly for me will not pass me by. Um, and that there, there's so many things we think are for us with our limited perceptions. But if you think of God as like omnipresent, right? Like an omni knowing, like knows everything. God knows a lot better for me. Like I didn't pick to move to this beautiful like paradise in the woods that I live in now. I, my life kind of fell apart in LA and I had to move. Um, and this was path of least resistance. I lived down the street from my mom, but it has been so nourishing to me, especially in the pandemic. Um, in so many ways I could never have predicted, especially cause I couldn't have predicted the pandemic. Um, it, uh, I'm grateful for it. Right. And so that was something that I couldn't see that was for my benefit that, uh, ultimately was right. And everything is working together for your good. And that's a good affirmation too. Everything is working together for my good. Um, I also want to say something limiting that I hear from a lot of folks who are older is like, oh, well, you lose all this stuff when you're old. You don't have capacity to learn stuff when you're old. Um, I can't deal with technology. I'm old, right? Constantly. I mean, you know, argue for your limitations and they're yours. Uh, that's another quote I got from John Maxwell. And, and, and it's true. And I'm going to start saying it to people, even though I like to be really sweet and nice with people and brutally honest only when people ask me. <laughs> Uh, and on my podcast, I'll be brutally honest on my podcast, but, um, honestly, like it, I hear people say that and I'm like, sure, that's exactly your experience. Cause that's what you're casting forth. Right. I want to tell you, you are, if you're not taking supplements and vitamins that are very high quality, you are probably experiencing massive nutritional gaps. I have had such a different experience with my mental health and my brain since I started taking brain vitamins. Like specifically, I, I'm going to shout out my my Bay Omega-3s, the DHA in that. I started taking a very high quality Omega-3 uh, about a year and a half ago and got really intentional about like, I mean, you know, it's behavior too. It's not just the quality of your vitamin. You actually have to take your vitamins. Um, but like really following through with that, like doing the behavior taking those things, I've had such a different experience in my brain functioning and I can't wait to start taking more. I have a whole list of the different supplements I'm like inching to as my budget for supplements increases. Um, but I just want to encourage you, if you're not taking a high quality omega-3, I'm please do not take CVS vitamins or Target vitamins. Really find a good supplier where it's very quality controlled. Um, I don't even eat fish, but I'm not technically allergic to it. So I have a real fish omega-3 and I think that's part of what what makes it so good for my brain um so anyway I would encourage you to like really look at your nutritional gaps um and see I mean it's a very simple thing to do that saves you a lot in cognition um and that's the experience I want to have I want to just have my my body just I love the idea of biohacking honestly I didn't even ever think about taking supplements as biohacking but like now that I'm on like 
6,000% of the RDA of uh, vitamin D because my doctor said I was deficient, so I needed to up. I'm like, oh, is this biohacking? I guess it is. So I just want to encourage you to really think about your nutrition and like how that's affecting your brain um, and how that will continue to affect how you experience getting older, right? Um, Christian Northrup has a great book called Goddesses Never Age. I read this a few years ago. I gave it to my grandmother because I was like, this is you. You're going to love this. Um, and I, I will say I agree with Christian Northrup up until about 20% of what she says, right? 20% I think is like very limited by her experience of uh, the gender binary and being a doctor, but she has a lot of really great stuff to say. So take what you like and leave the rest as with all things. Um, but I love that book and it really helped me kind of understand, okay, like I don't have to let aging happen to me. I can get older without really letting aging happen. Part of that is keeping up your mobility, right? Use it or lose it. Move it, right? Like keep your blood flowing so your blood can get to your brain. If you don't want to have experiences of having things be harder as you get older, you need to do the work of keeping your elasticity, right? Um, but again, argue for your limitations and sure enough, you will keep them. Um, let's see. The other thing I wanted to talk about, is this also funny? Like I was thinking, oh, maybe I'll talk about adaptability in this week's podcast and then... I popped on to, Kyle Cease is one of my teachers, and he does a Wednesday night call, and I popped onto it, and he was t talking about exactly this. He had a great quote about pain, uh, which is basically, like, you have to change your habits around pain. Like, pain in life is not optional, but it's how you experience it and how you deal with it that leads to your suffering, right? So the suffering part is optional. So if you change the habits you have around the pain you have, if you can just start really radically accepting the feelings that you're having. Um, and just be like, okay, I'm feeling sad today. I'm just holding space for this sadness for right now, right? And also, as you hold space, the biggest feelings you have, like when you sob, right? Um, I had a friend who told me recently, like, he was afraid once he started crying, he would never stop. And I'm like, good, you should just start crying. Like, accept it, love it, experience it, because eventually you will stop crying. And sometimes that first bottleneck of crying, and that all comes from being socialized in ways of people saying, like, uh, if you don't stop crying, I'll give you something to cry about, Right. Um, that kind of stuff is what blocks us from really feeling our feelings, all that socialization. So it's your job as someone who's reparenting yourself, who's choosing the life that you want to have to step in and figure out how to be a space for the feelings that are happening. Right. And like, also for me, part of it is recognizing that even as I don't have control over the things that are happening to me, um, and I'm working to control how I'm thinking about it. Just being a loving space for what's coming up is helpful. And then also starting to track it. 2019 was my year of data. Um, and I'm really glad because I learned a lot about how my feelings and I learned a lot about what I had control over. And I recognized that certain behaviors that affected how I felt the next day or the next week or the next month. And so I started really, you know, working more on my behaviors, closing the gap between knowing and doing. So just thinking about like how you can change your habits around pain and changing your habits just around life so that your feelings are less, um, tumultuous because they don't need to be uh, as tumultuous. I feel I have a water moon, like, right? So I have a lot of stuff in my chart and water and water is a sign that is full or water signs are like full of feelings and emotions, right? Big feelings. But um, just figuring out how to like be a safe space for your feelings to be how they are. Think about a best friend or someone you love a lot, right? If they came to you and they were crying, like, would you hold space for them or would you try to tell them how to feel? Um, I just want to say if you're trying to tell them how to feel, you're an asshole. Um, <laughs> and if you're holding space for them, that's really what's called for, right? So don't be an asshole to yourself. 
hold space for yourself. Like, right? Like, be... And, and also have the boundaries around your time so that you have time to hold space for yourself. Like, create systems in your life so you can have the self-care and the yoga classes where you cry it out, right? And the journaling and all the things you know you need to do. Because you already know what you need to do. I'm not here to tell you anything more than mindset. I can't do the work for you, but I can tell you how I've done the work. Um, so just accepting, right? Like, what your circumstances are while also continuing to seek better, right? And better might be unfolding from that, but sometimes you need to take a little action and you got to really listen to that. Um, but, uh, this is another quote from Kyle that I really like from that, that call yesterday, which was stop making the now, like your now moment, less important than the future with all of your possibilities. Enjoy right here, right now. Right. I think a lot of times we really shortchange how we're experiencing life right now because we're so focused on like, um, something that's changing that we don't like, right. Or like something that might happen that we don't like instead of just being in the moment and figuring out a bunch of stuff to appreciate. Um, Esther Hicks talks about this all the time. You can do a rampage of gratitude. So literally just looking around at all the things that you're grateful for, keeping gratitude top of mind. You cannot be frustrated and grateful at the same time. You've got to really figure out how to prioritize your gratitude. Um, and the final thing I want to say is that in the current astrology, we have Chiron and Aries. Chiron is a comet. Um, and it's about like, it's the wounded healer, right? It's what we need to heal. And Chiron and Aries is helping us identify the I am, right? So like you could use this time to come up with some I am statements. I am is one of the most powerful things you'll say, because when you argue for your limitations, they'll stay. But when you declare who you are, that will become your identity and will inform all of your behavior that comes from your identity. So really just sit down and write down some I am statements. I am strong. I am adaptable. I am brave. I am, you know, courageous. I am a gorgeous creation of God. I am a unique, one of a kind creation of God, right? I am here to serve God. There are so many I am's you can do. I have a whole list of affirmations I do every single morning and whenever I'm struggling with my brain. Um, and then one other thing I heard from John Maxwell um, that I thought was super relevant to this. I, I study a lot of his stuff. He's, uh, I think, the number one leadership coach in the whole wide world. He's real expensive. Um, but he also talks about um, if you can maintain your cheerfulness until 10 a.m., the rest of the day will handle itself, which I kind of really loved because I it really did make a huge difference for me. This is like, I want to say it was like maybe a year and a half, two years ago that I started doing this, but... Um, I read this in a Joel Osteen book uh, where you just wake up with a prayer in your mind and on your on your heart. Shaman Durek also talks about this too. Um, but you wake up with uh, something that you say. So I always say, um, uh, oh my God, now I can't remember the thing I say first thing in the morning. It's God is guiding and directing my life. Um, her favor is surrounding me. Goodness and mercy are following me. Uh, I'm excited about today. Um, and so it's basically just like declaring that the day is going to be great. Even if the day is great because I saw a cool banana slug, right? Like I can always find a bright spot to my day. And that's actually part of my evening practice. When I'm in the forest, I have a bright spot in the forest where the trees open up. And I always ask myself, what was my bright spot for today? Um, and that's, it's just a way you look at things, right? Adaptability, um, your attitude, it's, it's the way you look at stuff. And it's one of the only things we have true control over. And I want you to take control of your life. I want you to take your power back from the media that will have you constantly focusing on your flaws, right? Because your flaws don't make you, you make you. And your flaws are kind of part of how you are unique, right? And 
And also, who cares about flaws, right? The only people who care about flaws are the people who are trying to sell you something to quote-unquote fix them. Um, and I don't want that for you. I, w I want you to just live the most joyful life you possibly can, knowing that you're kind of stringing joy between pain and pain, right? Um, and sometimes finding pain amongst the joy and recognizing that we can all hold multiple conflicting emotions at once. Um, so I hope this helps. I also want to tell you, if you love this podcast or if this has provided any value for you at all, you can join my Patreon page. Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com is a membership support site that allows folks like me to create things of value for folks like you. My podcast is totally supported by my Patreon page. I also offer Zoom Fat Kid Dance Party Aerobics, which is my aerobics class for anyone who feels left behind by mainstream fitness. If you've ever been called too fat, too much, or felt too awkward to dance, mine is the supportive class for you. We're on Zoom on Saturdays. I'm also starting to do a last Monday of the month can size class on Zoom. Uh, so check it out. It's a great community. We also have a community Discord server. It's like our virtual locker room, so you can go in and make friends and connect with folks outside of class. I really am excited to create this digital community um, that is beyond all time and space. I also summarize our self-care check-ins, uh, just a couple of nuggets of wisdom, just so anybody who misses class can still catch up. And that's all at fatkiddanceparty.com slash news. Um, so that's available outside the Patreon. Um, in addition, my Patreon page also has a full membership uh, with aerobics videos that are on demand that I film in the forest or when I'm on tour when that's when it's not a pandemic. And um, there's always a 10-minute, a 20-minute class, two 55-minute classes, a chair aerobics class, and a canna-size class that is slower, more repetitive choreography for an optional cannabis experience. And all of that is at patreon.com slash fkdp. The link is in the notes below. Uh, please check it out and support if you if this work is valuable to you. I love getting to do this and I can only do it because of my supporters on Patreon. So thank you so much for making this happen. Thanks for tuning in. Please subscribe and give a thumbs up or a, a positive rating to encourage other folks. Um, I hope you found this awesome and I hope you have a great rest of your day. You are worthy of love exactly as you are and you are alive right now for a reason. We need you. Bye everybody.